Baptist Church tonight. Good to see each one of you here. Now, if you will, find your place, get your songbook, and turn first of all to number 435, 435, 435. Since Jesus came into my heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have lied in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Number four, there's a light in the valley of death now for me, came into my heart, and the gates of the city beyond I can see, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart and I'm happy so happy since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy. pages to number 324 324 take the name of Jesus with you take the name of Jesus with you child of sorrow and of woe it will joy and comfort give you take it then wherever you go precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every Temptations round you gather, breathe that 
someone around you there and tell them it's good to see you tonight. Welcome to our Wednesday evening service. Good to see each other tonight. I think uh, tomorrow, is that, is that a free day for the seniors tomorrow? Or do you have, is that the day you have the best, the volleyball? Okay, the volleyball deal. All right. And that'll be at 10 o'clock, so be sure to, those of you, attend that. I think the, um, the, the prayer breakfast this time, I heard that, not many showed up for that this time. They'd been having big crowd, but um, I guess everybody was still full from uh, their um, barbecue and stuff they'd been having, <laughs> having lately. But it's good to see you tonight. Usher, would you come and let's receive the offering? take our prayer request here in just a minute. Uh, let's bow our heads now and ask the Lord's blessings on the offering and on our lesson, Bible lesson here tonight. Brother Puckett, would you lead us in prayer?
Amen. Take out your prayer list and look it over. Um, I want to mention to you they had a call early this afternoon that uh, they had taken Don Dowdy to the hospital, and they were thinking at that point that he was not going to make it. So um, he's on our get well list, but uh, just kind of put a star or something there so you can pray a little extra hard for him for the family. That's um, Darren Daniels, father-in-law, Sharon's dad. So um, just so you know who that is. Um, also, uh, Arthur McGriff having hip surgery September the 18th. So remember that. Jim Keen, still, uh, he's still receiving treatment for his infection that he has in his, in his foot. And uh, let's see, traveling, the Jensics family, and Wayne and Charlotte Smith, Jennifer Sykes family. So continue to pray for them. And in the hospital, this is uh, people that are not here, it's in other, other towns. Stephen Hitt, uh, Blaine Milam, Vicki Snodgrass, and Janet. Spare. I don't have to read those to you. You can read it yourself, can't you? Uh, you? If you have an addition, raise your hand, or if you've had a prayer request been answered, let us know about it. He's in the hospital. What, what is his name? B B I think you've asked prayer for him before, haven't you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, the famous bus director, you know, Bolly Beebe. Jim? Okay, so um, Randy Bogus' mother, she's on there already? Okay. <clears throat> okay, uh, anybody else? 
Okay, so pregnancy problems. What's her last name now? Uh, Ashley Holland, for those at home that are taking down these requests. All right, someone else? Elizabeth, just leave off the E. It's not Elizabeth, it's just Elizabeth, and it's Morales, M O R A L E S, cancer. And down at the bottom of the cancer list, Judy Williams. Yeah. That, I'd like to add the letters O N to that. That name is not William. William's son. William's son. All right, on the cancer list, down near the bottom, Judy Williams, it's actually William's son. It should be William's son. Okay. Anybody else? All right, pray for our service this Sunday. Pray that God will give us a great day. The um, bus ministry there, this is visitors month. And I understand Sunday they had 22, 22 visitors on the buses. So that's good. But I uh, continue to pray that our attendance will keep growing and that uh, we'll see our Sunday school really having a big spurt upward. So uh, remember remember those requests. Pray especially for our services Sunday that God will give us a great day. Pray that I'll be well so I can be here for Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, stand, take your songbook. Bill, come lead us another song. Okay, let's turn to 463. 463. 463. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the road is called of yonder I'll be there when the road is called of yonder
uh, last week we started a series of lessons on uh, the faith of Noah. So open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. And then we're also going to be looking in Genesis chapter 6. But first of all, Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> I was um, reading here in, in uh, Hebrews a few weeks ago, and, and it kind of uh, just jumped out to me about, about Noah here. And so I started to doing a study for my own benefit. And I thought, you know, I think our people probably would be interested in this also. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about the faith of Noah? I mean, here's a man, he didn't have a Bible like we do. And, uh, and he was told to build a ship. It's going to be, some of you said you, you had, you raised your hand and said you'd been to the ark. And, uh, and I think that that's supposed to be the same size as Noah's Ark. He, 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 the guy that had that built used the dimensions that are given in Genesis. <clears throat> and um, it, it was a huge thing. Uh, Noah, Noah's Ark had at least three levels. Some, some Bible scholars say four, but at least three, three levels to it. And um, the, I, I forget now how many football fields that you could fit just in, in one one level of it, one se section of it. And uh, people, you know, some people are having problem about all the animals, but, but you have to realize that at that time, there were not as many different species of animals as there are now. They only needed two dogs, a male and a female. And, and so all of the different breeds of dogs that you have now, they came from those two. It's just like with any any other uh, horses, cows, whatever. Um, they only needed two. Now, uh, the Lord told them to take seven of the of those that were going to be offered. You know, as as sacrifice, they had to be uh, clean clean animals and all that. And so, but but um, what a what a project to build. You know, I often thought, well, you know, where he, he had to be busy that whole time, so how was he making money, you know? How was he getting the money to do all this? He had to purchase the wood, cut, you know, they had to, he had to have help cutting down trees and everything and building it, because it was all built out of wood. And um, for 120 years. Now, I, I've been pastoring a little over 50 years, and the few times that that somebody's not responded to the invitation, I kind of get discouraged. I think, what am I doing wrong? Noah preached for 120 years, and he never had one convert outside of his family. Do you you, talk, you think think that would discourage you if you were a preacher and and you were standing there for all that all that length of time and not getting anybody saved? But um, but what, a, what an undertaking. Just, just think about it now, that he, and I, you know, I, I assume he used his boys to help him, and he might have hired other people. Uh, but for 120 years, he was building on that ark. You know, we, uh, we, 
we'll start a project and and work on it a while, and then you know we we'll get tired of it. You think about working on something for 120 years, and and see when when the Lord told me, it said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna send the flood, I'm gonna destroy all of mankind except for you and your family, and um, and uh, up till that time, they, you know, if the Lord said, you know, it's gonna rain, no, I wouldn't know, wouldn't know what that was because it had never rained. The Bible says that the earth was watered from a mist that came up from the ground. And uh, there were no deserts back then because the whole, the whole earth, it was the mist from the, from the ground that provided the moisture, the water that was needed for uh, things to grow and all that. And um, so, you know, I, I was, I was thinking, thinking about that and thinking about, man, what a... You know, you, you read this here where uh, it says in verse, verse 7, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And... Um, You know that uh, I don't know about you, but that just kind of it just kind of stands out that here here's a man. He, he, it had never rained, and the Lord was going to say, "I'm going to I'm going to open up the winds of heaven, and I'm going to open up the fountains of the deep, and I'm going to destroy this this uh, earth with uh, water with a flood." And uh, and here out in out in the in an area where there was no ocean around anywhere. Uh, God told Noah build an ark, and He gave the dimensions, and it was going to be a huge thing. <clears throat> but uh, but here's something I'm on, I'm just uh, for the benefit of of those that were not here last time, and also for my own benefit, I need to I need to re do a little bit of review. I won't do much uh, because uh, then it will spend all our time tonight just reviewing and. And we need to get in some some different things, but uh, but in Genesis you don't have to turn there yet. Uh, if you if you already turned Genesis, just hold your finger there. <clears throat> but uh, in verse verse nine of chapter six of Genesis, it says these are the generations of Noah. Noah Noah was a just man. He was righteous. He was established righteous by faith. He was perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Uh, the Bible says here that he was righteous like like Abel. Uh, he walked with with God like Enoch. He worked with God, and his his singular identity in the list of Scripture was that that he was obedient. He was obedient. I think some people can get number one. They come to God by faith. Uh, some people get number two for a while. They walk with God. Then some people work for God. That's, that's Noah. You know, a lot of people believe something, but then don't do anything. They believe a lot, but don't do anything. Other people really believe God, and they're committed to it. Now, the, the obedience of faith is just that. It's believing that God that if God says it, and you'll do it, then, then you'll win. That's the obedience of faith. Now, again, uh, 
Noah's faith is, is stupendous. It's absolutely so far beyond human thinking that it doesn't even make sense to the normal mind, does it? Unless a man knew God and had some kind of spiritual insights, he'd be crazy to do what, what Noah did. <clears throat> I, can, I can just imagine, you know, uh, humankind has always been the same, <clears throat> so I'm sure there were people that were making fun of him, calling him all kinds of names and all that because of him out there building that big ship, that big boat, <clears throat> uh, out where there was no, no water. Now, um, if you got your, if you got uh, Genesis six, if you got your finger there, turn back to it now, <coughs> and then look at, uh, turn back a few pages to chapter two. <coughs> Now here's something, um, I just made mention of it, but I just want to show you to you where, where it is in the scripture. Verse five, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So all all over the earth, all over there was no uh, desert land or anything. There was because there was a mist over all all the land, all the land area. Um, it was all watered from the mist that came up from underneath the ground, and it was perhaps covered 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 by this mist. And and incidentally, some scholars say that. That uh, that's why people live so long. The sun the sun rays never got through the mist. Um, I'm told, you know, any of you ever read anything about in the creation? You know, uh, you have probably read that that be, before the flood, that there was a canopy of water that encircled the earth, and and because the you didn't get the direct rays of the sun. This is why people, one of the reasons why people live so long. After the flood, you find that they're not living as long, don't you? Uh, you know, you have, you have like Noah, but, but I mean, he was, you know, he was already uh, 600 years old when the flood came. So, so before the flood, he had already, already experienced that, that time whenever they were not living under the direct rays of the sun. I've told that that uh, that's why people don't live long is because the the uh, the sun rays are what well, what causes you to deteriorate. You know, the uh, our bodies to deteriorate, and and so without the sun's rays, people lived a long time. They lived over nine hundred years, some of them, and so people lived under this kind of a mist until finally the flood came. At that point. The Bible says he broke up the fountains of the deep and the whole atmosphere of the earth was changed and man's life was immediately shortened because the penetrating rays of the sun hit directly on man. Now who in the world is going to expect 
this to happen. He hadn't any concept of this in his brain. You know, I'm talking about Noah. You know, when when God's telling him this, he, you know, he he didn't know what rain was because it never had rain, and uh, so it, that didn't even fit into any kind of a category. And it also seemed very unlikely that God would destroy the whole human race. I mean, it would seem as if his mercy was all swallowed up by his justice. And also, the judgment, that flood that was promised, was 120 years away. Verse 3 of chapter 6, his days shall be 120 years. So, I mean, that's a long way off, and Noah could easily have rationalized that, well, you know, that sure gives people a lot of time to repent and reform, so uh, they'll probably shape up by that time. And you know, you know what even makes it more unbelievable that Noah did this is every, everywhere he, he preached for all of these years, nobody ever believed. Nobody. When that whole deal was over, after 120 years and the flood came, who, who was it that got in the ark besides Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Nobody. There was nobody. Now, I was reading one time that some, uh, some mathematician over in Australia, supposed to have been some famous guy, <clears throat> uh, he figured out that by the, by the time of the flood, that the population of, on the earth could have been several billion. Now, I, I don't know that... I'm not a mathematician, but uh, but because of the fact that people uh, back then did live so long, and uh, that that it was easier for women back then to to have babies, and so it was not unusual, you know, for a, a family to have 20, 25, 30 kids, <clears throat> uh, maybe even more than that. Uh, there's there's one one guy in the Bible, you know, had over a hundred, and um, so. So it's you know it's possible, but but there it was more than just a handful anyway. And and but out of all all of the popula all of that population, I imagine that that the the word got out through all the people that were on the earth at that time about this crazy guy over there building this huge boat or ship. And that he was gonna he was gonna put all the animals on the earth. He was gonna put all of them on that boat. And you, did you did you know now, uh, some people say, you know, that uh, they were in there for 40 days and 40 nights. No, they were in there for over a year. They were actually in that ark for over a year. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. But they didn't, they didn't get out of that ark until like, I think it was like 10 days after over a year. And, and, uh, can you imagine? Would you imagine now being being in a ship with all those animals? You, you know the sanitation and all that. Must have been some way that all of that was taken care of. I'm sure you know. I'm sure that God told Noah what to do to handle all that, and He also there had to also be enough uh, food, much enough feed and stuff for the animals. Plus the fact that He and Noah and his wife and boys and their wives had to eat and all that. So. Uh, You know, just the, just think about it. What if, what if, what if it had been you, and God, God told you you didn't have a Bible to go by back then, but God told you, I want you to build a boat. This is the size it's going to be, 
and it's going to take you 100, you know, you got 120 years to build it, get it ready. But I want you to build it near the water. I want you to build it out here. Uh, actually, where they were located was between the Tigris and, and Euphrates River. And so it was, you know, it was not a, not a place where there was uh, a lot of water, special enough water to float a ship as big as this thing was going to be. Um, so Noah, he, you know, he kept, he started building, kept on building, yet he was preaching, witnessing during all this time. Nobody believed him. And, uh, um, you know, can, can you imagine, uh, you know, some of you here tonight, you teach Sunday school, um, some of you preachers, uh, you know, if you, you teach a lesson or, you know, if you're preaching, and you preach a message and, and you don't think there's any results, you know how dis, discouraged you get, don't you? I mean, you know, now what if that went on for 120 years? You thought, you know, I'm not doing any good. I think I'll just throw in the towel. I'm just not doing any good. All I'm doing is just, just, you know, beating a dead horse here. And so you begin to think there's something wrong with you. Um, so can you imagine what, what he endured while he was out there building it? See, this, this is why he's here in chapter 11 of, of Hebrews because of his faith and his obedience to what, what God uh, had told him to do. <clears throat> Everybody laughing at him, nobody, you know, thinking that he was, ser that, you know, he, he, was, he had good sense and all that. And then he probably thought, even if the flood comes, how, how is a boat, a ship like this, how's it going to float? How's it going to float? Especially if I've got two of every kind of animal in it. Uh, and this thing had no anchor, no mast, no steering, no rudder, no sail. And Noah didn't know anything about sailing anyway. And against all this, you know, things that I'm sure during all that time, the 120 years, things were going through his mind. But he just believed God. He just kept on believing God. So, uh, the, you know, and, you, and then you think about not only that, but then also during the, all the time that they were in that ship, that uh, a little over a year, and, and all the things that had to be taken care of, and uh, I, I, you know, I know God took care of it. I, I can't explain to you how because the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'll, I'll just let you figure that one out yourself. I'm trying to help you here with things I do understand, but uh, but I don't I don't know how all that was taken care of, but God must have told him how it was going to be, how it was going to come about. <clears throat> uh, and then verse eight, eight and eighteen, uh, God told him, "I'm not going to destroy everybody, but with thee will I establish my covenant." <clears throat> don't you like that? My covenant. God says you're going to be my man. I'm going to maintain my promise to you. My promise. What, what was that based on? Well, it goes back to verse 8. But Noah, you, you probably memorized this, haven't you? Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> he, he was a just man, perfect in his generation. He walked with God. And God, God says, you're, you're my man, Noah. 
you and I are going to go through this together. The rest of the world is going to be drowned. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God said, I want you, after you built this boat, to get the animals in it. <clears throat> One time I was talking with a guy, and he said, he said, you know, the, the, the most difficult thing to believe about all that was how in the world was Noah going to go all over the known world at that time, the inhabited world, <clears throat> and gather up all those animals and get them into, into that ship, into that boat. And, and I said, well, no, God didn't leave that. No, God brought him in. <clears throat> he brought him in. And uh, so, and how, how are they going to be fed? Who's going to keep the place clean? And so forth and so on. All those massive kinds of problems. Because you're, you remember, again, now, how long were they in that boat? A little over a year. That's a long time, isn't it? <clears throat> so Noah had a command that staggers the imagination, but he was a man of faith. So he began to build in verse 22. It said, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amazing faith. You know, God, God comes to men today and he says, put your faith in Jesus Christ and I'll change your life. And some, some aren't, even, aren't even willing to take God at that simple promise. They're Christians who know and love God. They say that they, that they do. And God says, I want you to take this, this ministry. I want you to reach that person over here. I'll bless your life for it. I want you to trust me in the trial you're going through. I want you to believe in me in the situation that you, that's creating stress and tension in your life. I want you to lean on me. And they're not even to believe, able to believe God in that situation let alone build an ark. And we say we believe. But, our, but our, our faith absolutely fades in the measure of that of Noah. So he was a man of faith, came by faith to God. He walked by faith with God. And now he would obey God in faith, even though it staggered his imagination to conceive of what God asked ask him to do. But he believed God. He believed what God said would happen. Some of us run out of patience, don't we? We run out of patience with God in a week. God, I've been praying for a week about this, and, and here, you know, nothing's happened. Noah, Noah prayed 120 years. But, but can you imagine <clears throat> what a day it was when, when the water started to fall? <laughs> Noah, 120 years, but... but uh, you know, the sun was shining. Noah's conduct must have looked like that of a fool. When the daylight hours were on, everybody watching him. Who in, who in his right mind would, would build that thing on dry land? <clears throat> but you, you see, it's often been the case that, <clears throat> that men who take God at his word look like fools. You may have to ad adopt a course of action which looks like madness to the world, but if it's so... If it's obedience, then it, it behooves us to do it if it demands obedience. <clears throat> now, you know, I mentioned to you last week that uh, there, there are people, you know, say, well, you know, this, this, uh, this here Hebrew, this is in 
the new covenant, or the, we call it the New Testament. <clears throat> and uh, and so this, you know, the old covenant, uh, we don't rely on that. Now we've got we've got a new covenant. We got the New Testament now. And, you know, there are there are people that uh, that they don't they don't think you know that you should even read or, or preach out or teach out of the Old Testament at all. Uh, you know, the Church of Christ. They they don't they said that's all over. You know, that's in the past. That's over. And so all that we all that we're supposed to use is the new the new covenant, New Testament. And um, you know, a lot of you have. You've heard, and some of you maybe have even watched on TV, uh, Charles Stanley. Uh, Charles Stanley, uh, from what I understand, I never actually uh, listened listen to him. I, I have some of his books, but I've never actually uh, listened to him preach. But <clears throat> because I was always in church, you know, whenever he was, whenever he was uh, on on TV. <clears throat> but. Uh, you know, from what from what I know of him, he was a good man, fundamental, good man. Well, he had a son named Andy, and back uh, back several years ago, uh, I'm sure those of you that have have watched him on TV, you know that that he and his wife divorced. Uh, Charles Stanley and his wife divorced, and so she became very very, um, you know, she was condemning. She was condemning Charles Stanley. And, uh, and so Andy, the boy, uh, he took his mother's side. And so, uh, so they were estranged. Uh, the dad and Andy were, were estranged. Now, I, I have read that they, they did, you know, were able to, to uh, you know, kind of mend the relationship as father and son once again. But, but Andy Stanley, is a, he, he has started a cult there in, and he has a large, large church there in, in Atlanta where Charles Stanley has, has a church. Uh, I don't know, is, he still, is Andy Stanley or Charles Stanley still alive? No, he's died. Uh, well, Andy Stanley doesn't believe that we, we should use the Old Testament at all. That's, you know, that's old. We don't, you know, we don't need that. Uh, so he's really, you know, gone off the deep end if he ever was, wasn't off the deep end, I, I don't know anything about him except that <clears throat> that uh, that he he's uh, become a, a complete uh, kook about the Bible. Uh, but listen, this is this is part of the Bible. The Old Testament is part of the Bible. And let me let me show you something here now. For those that would say, well, you know, uh, this is the New Testament. Now you're talking about. You're talking about faith and this in the New Testament. But did you notice in chapter 11, when he's when he using illustrations of faith, that every person he used was people of the Old Testament? Look, look back at it there. Uh, it, it says, by faith, Abel. You know who Abel was? He was there in the garden. That was the, he was one of the first two boys uh, born to Adam and Eve. He was there in the garden. By faith, Abel. Uh, look at the next verse. By faith, Enoch. Where did he fit at in the Bible? That's the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. <clears throat> by, um, by, by faith, Noah. Where did he fit? He fit the Old Testament. By faith, Abraham. 
See, he uses all, everybody he uses here in chapter 11 to prove or, or to illustrate faith and, and men of faith <clears throat> and obedience to it. He used men out of the Old Testament, people out of the Old Testament, or some women, <clears throat> so people out of the Old Testament. Uh, and and did you did you also notice? I mentioned this also last last week that that the way that people were made righteous, the way they were counted righteous back there, is the same way that you're counted righteous now. You see, the way of salvation back then, the same way it is now. The, the Bible says that 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 uh, Abraham that he he believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. Faith, he believed. Faith, that, the, the word believe and faith, those synonymous mean the same thing. Uh, by faith and, and that faith that he had, it was counted to him for righteousness. That's the way, that's the way we're saved, isn't it? By faith, by faith. And, and we have the righteousness of God imputed to us because of our faith. Listen, th this, is, this is nothing new. Uh, all, the, all the way through time, from the time of Adam and Eve until now, and it will be through the tribulation period and also through the millennium. When people get saved, it's going to be by faith, by faith. And that faith is, is counted for righteousness. It's not of works. Nothing, nothing you do. You don't merit salvation. It's by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, I mean, you know, we don't have anything to brag about, do we? There's nothing we can do, nothing we, we do. It's, it's all because of faith. I'm glad that's the way God made it. Because if my salvation depended on what I do or what, you know, uh, works or anything, I'd be in bad shape, wouldn't you? Uh, if I, you know, if I, if I depended on, on feeling, I, I was talking with someone uh, recently and, and they were talking about, I think it might have been Matt, we were, we were talking about something, he was talking about when he got saved, that, you know, he just, he just kind of just felt so, good so different and i remember the the sunday morning i got saved and and uh it, it was in the old uh, first bible baptist church it was here on the corner and uh we lived in Evanport. and i lived in Evanport. and so we were on the on the way from here that morning and and uh and i i always want to clarify this that uh, no salvation doesn't depend on feeling I mean, you may not you may not feel anything. I think you will feel a peace, but uh, but I you know I hate to, uh, to say this because I don't want people to get the idea that that I you know I got saved and so I had some kind of special feeling. But I want to tell you something. I felt different that morning or that day afternoon. I guess it was when we were on the way home. I I just felt like I was floating. <laughs> Jimmy Carter said when he got saved, he felt like he was sitting in a bed of marshmallows. Uh, I didn't exactly feel like that, but I just felt like, you know, I just felt so 
light, you know, and I, and, and, uh, you ever get, you ever, something happened, you know, and you get so, you, you, you're so, it's not that you're sad, but you just can't help but cry, you know, you just, your emotions just overcome you. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a big crier and all that, but man, I tell you, I, I, I was driving, so I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess up my vision. I was having a hard time to keep from crying. Um, and what that is, is that peace that passeth all understanding. See, whenever you get saved, now you've got peace with God. And then God gives you that peace that passeth understanding. And, um, you, you know, you can't, you can't describe it. It's like the, the old Scottish saying, it's better felt than tellt. Uh, there's things that, you know, that you can't understand. But, boy, I'm, I'm glad I'm saved. Uh, and see, the, uh, uh, what, what the writer here in Hebrews, and I think it was the Apostle Paul, but, but whoever, the Holy Spirit's the author, and he just used human writers to write what he told them. <clears throat> but uh, he's saying here, it's nothing new. He said, this is what God intended all along, by faith. It's by faith. And so, so he said, uh, I'm not, I know I'm, I'm not writing anything new. I'm not telling you anything new. But let, let me redefine it so you understand what, what you're supposed to be doing. And, and so the new, the new covenant, the New Testament, we call it the New Testament, same, same uh, meaning, Testament covenant, is not teaching something new. Faith has always been the only way to God. The people in the Old Testament believed God. It says of Abraham, he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. All the Old Testament people listed in chapter 11, it says, as, as we've already seen there, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith, by faith, all the way through. It's by faith. And he's always saying, uh, and he's just saying here, this is always the way it's always been. Nothing new, but it needs to be redefined because the, the people he's uh, writing this to at that time is the people that the book's named after, Hebrews, that's Jews. He was writing this to the Jews. And, uh, and these uh, people, the, the, the religion is Judaism. And, and these uh, people that were propagating this were, were called Judaizers. These were Judaizers. Like we're called Christians. They're, they're, they're called Judaizers. You see, you, we, you still have those. You still have people today, uh, Jews, that uh, they don't believe in the Lord Jesus. They don't believe he's the promised Messiah. They don't believe the New Testament. All they, they, accept, they accept the old, and that's it. Uh, but, but you see, by the time that you get into the New Testament, they have th these uh, teachers of the Old Testament, the people that, that were, had, you know, be supposed to be <clears throat> teachers of the law, of the Old Testament, they had corrupted the law so much <clears throat> that it's, it's no longer, they don't, they don't teach faith by faith. <clears throat> now it's all works, you know. You got to keep the Sabbath, you got to do this, got to do that. And, um, and, and so it's not faith, no, not faith at all.
So Paul here, he's, he's trying to just, just uh, redefine what, they, what the Bible uh, uh, has, has always taught, what the Old Testament. <clears throat> and he started there in verse 4 with Abel, with the life of faith, and, <clears throat> and really talks about the entrance into the life of faith. Then he moves to Enoch, verse 5, talks about the walk of faith. Abel began by faith. Enoch continued by faith. And then thirdly, Noah, in verse 7, Noah illustrates the work of faith. Abel is the life of faith, the beginning. Enoch, the walk of faith, the continuance. Noah, the work of faith, that's the obedience. Noah illustrates that, uh, the faith that is obedient. And I think he's a classic of all classics of believing God and saying, I believe God, and then doing something to prove it. Uh, remember last week we, we mentioned about James says that uh, faith without works is dead. That, 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 that is a faith that doesn't work. But, but see, it, that, that doesn't mean that it's works that save you. Faith comes first. Believing comes first. And, and so a, a belief or a faith that does not work, that's not real faith. That's not true faith. It's dead. It's empty. And, and so it's uh, Noah here is illustrating that his faith was not dead because it had works. The record of Abel shows us the worship of God. The record of Enoch shows us not only worship, but walk the walk with God. And in Noah, we see one who worshiped God, walked with God, and worked for God. So it takes, just takes another step, you know, a progression in the relationship of faith. And it's kind of interesting that faith works that way. You've got to have worship before you can have walk, and you've got to have walk before you can have work. And that's how God has established it. That's the, pers uh, the, the pattern that's divine. So Noah takes us to the next step. <clears throat> Some of us as Christians, we hear the word of God. When God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, some of us will hear Jesus say, lo, I'm with you always. But do we believe it? Do we really believe it? Do we believe that we're adequate for every situation? Like, uh, like Noah, he treated the message of God with great reverence. He prepared the ark, and his faith was honored to the saving of his house, his family. And it wasn't only him, but his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their three wives. Eight souls were saved. Now look back, look back here at Genesis, and flip back there if you, if you turn back to Hebrews. Look back to Genesis 6. Let's look at some, some things here that, that uh, took place. We just got a few minutes left here. Now here, here's... Uh, uh, I don't have the time to go and read this, but but if you'll read it later in uh, verse 14 and following, and God here is given the dimensions of the ark, talking about you know how 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 it's all to be built, what size and all that, and then then he mentions pitching it, pitching it within and without would pitch, and here here's here's something I don't know if you've ever uh, studied this and gone 
in depth of this, but what this pitch is, what, what this means. Now, for, for the, then the reality of what that was there, it must have been some kind of like asphalt or something like that, that, that uh, they, he uh, covered all the, you know, all the wood uh, on the inside and all so that there would, no water would be able to get in. But here's an interesting thing now. The word pitch, <clears throat> and, and uh, in, the, in this building of the ark, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of symbolism, just like, you know, in, uh, just like in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism there. But it, but it, uh, it you know, it represents something else. And the word pitch in the Hebrew is exactly the same word as atonement. <clears throat> if you don't already have that written out there in the margin, uh, where, where it mentions pitch, or right out there in the margin of the Bible, atonement. That same word. You know what atonement means, don't you? So uh, it can that that word then can be translated atonement or pitch in Leviticus seventeen eleven. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, for I, I have given it to you upon the altar to be pitch, or you could put the word atonement, means the same thing, for your souls. For it is the blood that serves as pitch or atonement for the soul. Now watch this. The ark was safety. Uh, the pitch kept the waters of judgment out, and, and the pitch in the life of the believer is the blood of Christ, which secures us from any judgment. Uh, there can be no leaks in the ark because of the pitch, and the judgment of God cannot touch the believer because the blood of Christ has sealed him from the flood of judgment. It's a great thought, the typology, the, the picture, the illustrations of things, the symbolism. Verse 15, and this is the fashion God gave, God gave him the blueprint for it then. Told him exactly what, what the dimensions, what dimensions are. Uh, it's interesting to study these dimensions. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to give you this and then, we'll, then I'll close. Uh, there was a lecture at Annapolis given by a naval instructor and it was given to all of the admirals. And in this lecture, these were some of the things that he brought out. For centuries, he said, men built ships in various proportions. But since British naval machinists found the formula for the battleship Dreadnought, and, and you know, back, back in the day, years, years ago, the, the uh, strongest uh, naval uh, military machine was the British Navy. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, there, there, there was a time when, when uh, the British Empire was the most powerful military on the face of the earth. That, so that was before, you know, America. Uh, but, but, you know, and even, even you know, in the Revolution, Revolution and all there, one of the, one of the things that, that makes the success, the victory of the revolution is that, that these, this handful of uh, people here 
in America were fighting the most powerful military force on the face of the earth and, and won. Won the victory, won independence. But, but listen now. Uh, British naval machinists found the formula for the battleship Dreadnought. All naval construction follows the proportions of Dreadnought since they've been found to be scientifically perfect. Now listen to what the instructor said here about this. The proportions of dreadnought, and evidently that's, that must have been a warrior ship that they, that they built, and they, they came up with the, uh, with the dimensions and proportions of it. <clears throat> they, do you know where, where they got that from? From the ark in the Old Testament. They know something. They took the dimensions that were given to Noah, and they they built this ship dreadnought, and and so then from then then near uh, from now on and even today, the most the most perfect perfectly proportion or dimension of a ship were those that follow the proportions of dreadnought, and that and that was taken from the building of the ark dimensions of the ark. So God knew how to build ships, didn't he? Can you imagine building this thing with no rudder and no power and no sail and no nothing? Boy, you had to trust God. Even when the flood came, you couldn't go anywhere you wanted to go and you wouldn't know where to go anyway, so that's evidently the reason God didn't have a steering wheel on it or rudder or sails or anything like that. It, it just, It just floated that's all it that's all it was made to do it just floated and when uh when god got through with the rain and the uh, fountains of the deep breaking up and all that the water and it began to recede and then finally after a year they 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 got off uh god had god had that place that thing placed on on a flat area of land so he wasn't on the side of a mountain or something and uh, all of this, the uh, obedience of faith, the obedience of faith, and there, there's, there's so much more. We'll, <clears throat> we'll take up there, and there's some other things here that, that I'd like for us to learn, if we haven't already, about this thing about the faith of, of Noah and the obedience, his obedience, the obedience of faith. You think about that for a little while what he had to overcome in his own mind about about all this. And what if God told you, even right now, you know, what if God told you, I want you to go out and build a boat and it's going to be this big and you're going to have to provide the material. You know, we have to go out and get the material and everything and uh, you're going to have to pay for all that and uh, you'll have to hire some people to help you, but that'll be out of your pocket because... Um, I'm not, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, does it? Even back then, it didn't grow on trees. <clears throat> so, uh, so Noah had to finance that. But, you know, God provided a way for it. But what, what if the Lord came to you and told you to undertake a project like that? Would you? Would you believe it? Would you do it? Would you be obedient to it? All right, would you stand, please, with heads bowed?
Now we uh, we here in in our Wednesday night service we here take an opportunity or give an opportunity for you to pray. I want you to uh, if you need to take out your prayer list and look look it over. You're not gonna have time to pray about everything that's on there, but but through the week as you go to the Lord in prayer, remember remember and not just take it by sections. That that'd be the best way to accomplish that. <clears throat> but for right now, I want you to pray. Uh, pray about any needs that you have in your own life and pray for our church pray that God will bless our church family uh, those that you heard about that are, that are sick now and in the hospital those that are needing healing and all uh, mention them and, uh, and then pray for our services this coming Sunday pray that God will bless and give us, give us a great day and we have souls saved pray that God will send us new families uh, Families, you know, with children, young people, and young married people, and and um, and you know, just just pray that that God would send people to us. I found, I found when I pastored when I went to pastor there in Maryville <clears throat> that you know I'd visit all day long, and, and sometimes I'd I'd knock on the doors of two hundred houses in a day. I might not get one person to promise me they'd be in church Sunday, but on Sunday. I would have a bunch of visitors there that I had not even talked to, not even met, because God honored my my dedication, my work. He honored the fact that that I went to those homes, and even though nobody promised they'd be there, God sent other people. And it might have been even some of those that didn't promise they'd come. It might have been some of them, you know, God God sent them. But but God will bless your efforts. God will bless your efforts. And uh, so, so pray that, that God will send, send us new people. And we begin to see things. You know, since, uh, since COVID, it seems like, you know, everything's just kind of been stagnant. We need, to, we need to start getting new people in. And, you know, we, do, we have some, and I thank God for that. But, but uh, you know, we need more. So be praying about that, too. So we're going to give you a chance. If you want to come to the altar to pray, you can. If you'd rather just pray there, if you want to sit down, and uh, we'll just take the next few minutes and go to the Lord and, to, and the Lord in prayer about these needs. Mm-hmm.